Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Hey! Hi! Hi, <laughs> Hi Katie. How are you? I'm good. Sarah and I were just barely talking about pooping ourselves uh, before yeah. we started So you all missed out on that, but... um. Welcome to our poop podcast. Welcome to our podcast where we don't talk about ex-Mormon things. We talk about poop and a lot of <laughs> and poop in our pants because it happens to me on a daily. Not, not just kidding. Not on a daily. I was going to say not on the daily. Not on the daily. Not that <laughs> dramatic. Maybe once a year. Something is like it that. celestial Jesus cursing you? He is. That's what I say every time. I'm like, <laughs> God damn it. Celestial Jesus. Why? <laughs> I just, I really like those pair of jeans. I don't want to throw out another one. Come on. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, how are you doing, Sarah? I am great. It's a long weekend here. And, yeah, I know I'm on maternity leave and everyone's like, but you don't work. But, guys, I, mean, I do work. But, obviously, yes. not in a job. Like, a office job. Um, but it's just so nice because when your husband's there and it's just like, ah, oh, it's yeah. not me all day long. It's so nice to have a yeah. little break and it's been really nice weather in the UK. So we've been outside soaking up the sun for the past like three days. It's been That's really so nice. nice. Yeah. And I'll argue that being a mom is the hardest job. So thank you. I would agree. I'm not even going to try to be humble or bashful about that shit. It is the hardest job I have ever had in my entire yeah. life so and imagine there are so many people who are single mothers oh I, I don't know how they do it yeah it's quite amazing and like I know, I know that they have, have single to do it. yeah yeah they're sorry no I was just gonna say we have single mom listeners and hats off to you because oh damn. my god yes everything off to you like it's I'm beyond impressed but just have so much respect because you guys you got to do what you got to do. And that shit is tough. And when yeah. you have a partner who can support you, it's it's still really hard. And I cannot imagine doing it on my own. So, yeah. Can I just say that Sarah just said everything off to you. So Sarah's stripping for you, single mothers. <laughs> <laughs> she is naked. <laughs> she is naked for you. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome. Bod. You're welcome. <laughs> Well, today, um, I picked the topic, and I'm so excited. I want to say that most of my notes uh, actually came from this really great Reddit post on the ex-Mormon subreddit that was by the poster Curious Mormon, and this was just such a good post. Um, I have other, you know, like, sources in there, too, but most of it came from that, so thank you, Curious Mormon, whoever you are. Um, today, we're talking about the Strengthening Church Members Committee. Have you heard of this? No. What? The Strengthening Church Member Members Committee. Committee. Yeah. Um, throughout my notes, I'll probably refer to it as SCMC because it, I don't want to keep saying Strengthening Church Members Committee over and over. But um, so the Strengthening Church Members Committee is obviously a committee of general authorities of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> who monitor the publications of its members for possible criticism of general and local church leaders. If criticism is found, the committee will forward that information to local church leaders 
who will bring charges of apostasy to the person, which can result in excommunica- excommunication. Whoa. This is basically like a surveillance team of general people who work for them, who like scour the internet for members of the church that are talking bad about the church or criticizing the leaders. It's very Mormon mafia shit kind of thing. Whoa, that's, it's just creepy. It gives me the creeps to think about that. That's an actual committee, but keep going. Cause I'm very, I'm very intrigued by this. I know. And when I was um, a Mormon, I didn't even know that this existed. I've never heard of this. Yeah. So, okay, this was started, uh, I have a little (laughs) timeline here. So this was um, sometime in 1985, shortly after taking office, Ezra Taft Benson formed the committee. Oh, God, Ezra Taft Benson. I I always think of, wasn't he like the Department of Agriculture or something like that for the Mm -hmm. the United States government? Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, In June 1985, uh, church headquarters telephones all bishops in Utah, Idaho, and Arizona with instructions to forbid discussion of a book that was by Linda Newell and Valine Tippett Avery's. It was a biography called Mormon Enigma, Emma Hell Smith. And so they were told, all these bishops, <clears throat> excuse me, all these bishops were told that no one was allowed to discuss this book at church at all because it was talking about emma smith in a way that like wasn't traditional to the church (laughs) wow yeah that is whoa okay so those those off those authors they claimed that dallin h oaks told them directly that their book was privately banned for providing a non-traditional view of joseph smith Oh, yep. They were just trying to tell the truth about what Joseph Smith was doing. And these, yeah, these general authorities were like, no, you can't talk about that. And no one can read your book and no one can discuss it. Like, oh my God. Okay. So that's given obviously what you already mentioned, like the Nazi vibe thing, like Mm -hmm. taking books and burning them. Um, Yep. Yep. Then also it's like now in the U.S., like (laughs) states are banning books. I know. They're banning books and they're banning like these sweet drag shows that aren't doing no harm to anyone yet not doing anything about guns. I cannot even with. You know what? Like speaking of that, I'm sure that so much of like the church's money goes to like supporting these corrupt politicians who are supporting or like pushing these bills and things. I know. I know. I, I it makes me sick. Yeah. Um, Okay. In July of 1990, something called the Pace Memorandum was leaked to the press. This was a memo written by the presiding bishop, Glenn Pace. The memo was written for the SCMC, describing his interviews with 60 victims of child abuse via supposed ritualistic satanic abuse. Most of the testimony, yeah, most of the testimony involved repressed memories, so, you know. How reliable is that? But the public leaking of the memo prompted state investigation. After 30 months of research, no evidence was found to corroborate Pace's memo. So these weren't like real allegations or whatever. But the fact that they were just like in this little memo and the church was trying to like 
hide it and then it got leaked to the press. It's just so weird. It's, it's really like, weird. It's like, why not at least investigate that a little bit, even though, it, you know, there wasn't anything to it. But it's just odd that they were like, well, no, just like just kind of keep that hidden away and don't talk about it. Like, um, why? why? <laughs> Very weird. In July 1992, BYU academic vice president Stan Albright, Stan Albright resigns in part due to, quote, his difficulty carrying out university business because of complaints from BYU religion faculty about other faculty members' writings that were made to the SCMC, which seemed to him to be an ad hoc middle management committee that kept files on the writing and activities of certain church members. So he resigned because the religion, uh, the religious professors uh, were complaining about what the other religion, what the other professors were teaching that were like going against what the church would teach. And they were reporting it to the SCMC. And this guy was like, I'm done with the drama. Like, I don't even want to be involved anymore. I'm resigning. Like, isn't that crazy? (laughs) That's so crazy. But also it makes me think of, um, so I'm assuming when this episode is released, the one before it will be with our special guest McKenna and she mm-hmm. talks about her experience at BYU and it yes. just makes me think of like re- like religion classes and we were talking about you know one of the things I asked was you know when she was there um did they start every class with a prayer and end with a prayer and she was saying you know that not all the professor most of the professors wouldn't do that and it just makes me think that like that would have been an issue for example these professors who are yes. like ratting on the other ones because I also experienced that where it was like you know, you had, I would say majority of my classes, you had to start with like a prayer and end with a prayer. But then also it was like they had to tie the gospel in <laughs> with the the course and the curriculum at the same time. And I remember taking like a biology class and I was like, how, how are they going to do this? Like exactly. Or maybe it was physics. It was something like that where it was like, okay, how are we really going to try to like... <laughs> tie this in and the professor was just awkward about it and I wonder if it's from that stigma of like in the 1990s what you're talking about where people just rat on the professors or get them fired or yeah yeah no that's so freaking wild to me like trying to imagine a physics class with like the book of mormon yeah (laughs) so crazy it's crazy I remember saying that to Greg saying like you know I had BYU um, biology classes and he's like so did they ever talk about, like, obviously evolution? And I was like, no, isn't that crazy? Like, now, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. But now, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's okay. Yeah. You know, when I, when I fully left the church and then had, like, done a lot of deconstructing, I, I, like, started to devour books and things like, like, podcasts and stuff about um, evolution because I hadn't been taught it at all. Like, that is very embarrassing to admit. I had such a small, like, science and biology and all of that knowledge because it just was not taught to me, like, at all. It's very, yeah, that's really unfortunate. But then I was just, like, so fascinated by it after leaving the church because I was like, oh, I can actually, like, try to understand how things work now and not just be like, oh, God did it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I was the same. In August of 1992, the New York Times reports on an LDS confession that the SCMC is real. 
The then current spokesman for the LDS Church stated that the committee, quote, provides local church leadership with information designed to help them counsel with members who, however well-meaning, may hinder the progress of the church through public criticism. What? <laughs> also, help them? No, you're not. Yeah, not I know. Like you're going to just excommunicate them or do some crazy shit, like, yeah. them. Yeah, no. The, the way that they word it, like, we're helping, we're, we're helping, you know, we just don't want to hinder the growth of the progress of the church like no you're just you just don't want them to, to talk about the truth um exactly <laughs> they also confirm that members are not allowed access to their secret files even if they know such files exist and make their request for their defense so this is creepy as shit we've known for we've always known that they keep files but this is them admitting they have files on all the members and members cannot see their own file <gasps> how is that legal I don't know. I just don't. It's just so creepy. In, um, okay, in March of 1993, James Faust and Russell Nelson, all rusty, they're confirmed to be on the committee. In this official press release, the LDS Church also claims Doctrine and Covenants section 123 verses 1 through 5 as justification for the committee. So I'm going to read this scripture to you. This is why they say they have the committee. And this was written by Joseph Smith, J-Dog, while he was a prisoner in the jail at Liberty, Missouri. Okay. It, It says, and again, we would suggest for your consideration the propriety of all the saints gathering up a knowledge of all the facts and sufferings and abuses put on them by the people of this state and also of all the property and amount of damages which they have sustained, both of character and personal injuries, as well as real property, and also the names of all persons that have had a hand in their oppressions as far as they can get a hold of them and find them out. And perhaps a committee can be appointed to find out these things and to take statements and affidavits and also to gather up the libellous publications that are afloat and all that are the magazines and the encyclopedias and all the libelous histories that are published and are writing, and by whom, and present the whole concatenation of diabolical rascality and nefarious and murderous impositions that have been practiced upon this people. (laughs) My jaw is to the floor. That, okay, you guys, I read, I thought I'd read D&C, but clearly I didn't or I didn't pay attention because I would have remembered that. That's like... Isn't that crazy? Whoa. Yeah. He's like also, writing it a scripture, like spy on other people and write it all down and make a committee and we're going to get our revenge, essentially. Whoa. <laughs> I know. And that's in their scripture. I just. In their scripture. Yep. So Whoa. That's <laughs> their justification. So in mid-1993, a woman, <clears throat> there's a woman named Margaret Toscano. And her stake president gave her written instructions to, quote, stop speaking, writing, or making media appearances on subjects involving theology or church policy. What? Yeah. This came on the heels of the Daily Universe report on her talk to a BYU student feminist group where she spoke about Heavenly Mother. (gasps) Yeah. You guys, if you're in Nevermo, Heavenly Mother is like something you just do not talk about in yeah. the church. Like, oh. it's, yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, isn't that, and that's so crazy to me because she was giving a speech at BYU about Heavenly Mother and she got this written, like, you know, instruction 
from her stake president that was like, shut up or you're going to have consequences. I just imagine being like, I would be so terrified as a Mormon getting that. I mean, we talked about it too, that when we left, we were like, I mean, is the church going to ever do some like crazy, I don't know, like threatening stuff to us? Like, I, mean, I know it's not that big, but like, you know, they're, they're petty as we know. Like, yeah. would they try to threaten us or come after us? Because it also gives me, like, major Scientology vibes, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh. You know, I think that they've tried to, like, or at least they track, like, John DeLynn from Mormon Stories. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm so, sure well, they do. I don't know. Oh, it's creepy, right? It oh. gives me the icks. Okay. <clears throat> In September of 1993, the September 6th were disciplined for apostasy. And I'll give you a summary of the September 6th. There, there are six Mormons who were all excommunicated in September of 1993. So Whoa. the first one, Ave, Abraham, I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Abraham Gileadi's story goes back to late ni- 1992. His stake president told him to stop publishing his commentaries on the prophecies of Isaiah. He complied, and the stake president accepted this. The Salt Lake Tribune reported a source claiming this was not enough for Boyd K. Packer. It's claimed that Packer then replaced the stake president with one who had a long-standing feud with Abraham Gileadi, and he was excommunicated. Literally for just what? talking about his views on the prophecies of Isaiah. Like, <gasps> yeah, isn't that wild? Or like, were they just like... I mean, now I'm curious to know what his views of on Isaiah. I know, I know. I should I should have looked further into it, but I didn't want my notes to go too long. But yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> um, Michael Quinn's summoning to a disciplinary council was in May of 1993 for his writings on women and the priesthood. Quinn, oh. yeah, Quinn refused to attend the disciplinary council because he claimed to be writing history. And he felt that the result had been predetermined by higher authorities. He was put on probation and then disfellowshipped after no-shows. And he was excommunicated a short time later for, quote, apostasy and conduct unbecoming a member. For talking about women and the priesthood, you guys. (gasps) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. It's it's crazy because a lot of these people, they weren't just excommunicated for like, oh, you won't stop drinking coffee. You got to go. It was like there were full blown, like really scholarly believing members, and they were just talking about things that were a little bit too much for the or church. Just about history or facts. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Whoa. I know. And that's the thing that drives me crazy too is that when members, like when I first left or even, you know, still now, are just like, well, you know, you can, you can ask all these questions. Cause I would say like, well, I had a lot of questions that, you know, I was too afraid to ask in the church or I did ask and no one gave me answers. And they're always mm-hmm. like, well, we're all about free agency and you can ask whatever question you have and you should be able to talk about it. And I'm like, no, you can't, you can't no. ask because this shit is what happens. You would get yeah. communicated or yeah. threatened or whatever. If you ask these really, or if you kept asking, cause what would happen is, I mean, Katie, you probably experienced the same thing is where you would ask these questions and either you're given like the most basic, generic, vague answer or you were dismissed. Yep. I was all, like some questions yep. I just never would ask or like answer. And it's like, OK, right, right, right. Like yeah. I'm never going to get an answer. Or if I kept pushing it, then you know that something's going to happen if you kept pushing the same question. Right. And you're made to feel and sometimes straight out told, like, if you don't understand this, you just don't have enough faith. 
and exactly. It, and so stop asking about it. Like, just have faith and just pray, and it'll be fine. And you're like, but no, that doesn't actually answer my question. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The next up is, and the September sixth is Paul Toscano, who is Margaret Toscano's husband. He was excommunicated for apostasy one hour after the conclusion of a six and a half hour interrogation. Oh. Yeah. His request that his wife be present for the entire session, his witnesses be present and independent notes be taken and the proceedings made public were all denied. So he didn't even have like anyone in there with him. And he said that the discussion centered on his recent speech that was called All is Not Well in Zion, False Teachings of the True Church. What? Yeah. So he gave a speech at this like uh, convention and pointed out some things that were false in the teachings, but still was like, but the church is true. There's just these things that like don't make sense. And then it was just like, nope, we're going to interrogate you for six hours after and then excommunicate you. Bye. That's wild. (laughs) Yeah. Because Um, honestly, you know, that and like you and I talked about this too. If the church would have owned up to some of at least like some of the doctoral like doctrine that was just like clearly made up in bullshit and the multiple like you know the first vision there's like different versions or multiple versions all this stuff if they just would have been like oh you know what yeah that's what happened like joseph smith just you know maybe he was overwhelmed by the spiritual experience so yeah he did have like the multiple versions of this encounter blah 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 but you know, this is the one that he felt like the spirit told him was the most correct. I would have been like, okay, well, that makes sense because I'm still in the church and I believe and like they're owning up to it. So that's believable. But just like hiding it and then trying to pretend like it didn't happen. I know. I know. Communicating people who question it. That's the part where I'm like, what? Like, I know. It's yeah, it's spot on. It's like, if you would just own up to some of this stuff and just be like, well, yeah, maybe Joseph Smith <laughs> did make some of this up, but you know, we're just still going to have this faith or whatever. It's like, yeah, oh, exactly. at least you would admit it, but no, you can't even talk about it and hide it. It's, <laughs> it's mind blowing really. <laughs> Whoa. <clears throat> okay. Lynn, <clears throat> Lynn Whitesides, a regular speaker on priesthood, heavenly mother and other feminist issues was notified by her stake president of the excommunication hearing. She was told that she had no accusers beyond her own words, that her public addresses were recorded and transcripts made, and all of these were provided to the stake president and bishop. She was told that a general authority had sent the bishop highlighted transcripts and other materials. She was told that she could be reinstated in the church, but... She could not take an active role in any organization or groups encouraging praying to Heavenly Mother, female ordination, or any derogatory remarks towards LDS leadership. Fuck them. It's like, of course, one other blow to women in the church. Like, you know, we don't want any kind of conversation around women or having you in any type of authority. Nope. You just got to keep your mouth shut and then you can still be in the church. Fuck mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Another one really similar. Maxine Hanks was another feminist urging for priesthood organization of women, and she was excommunicated for conduct contrary to the laws and order of the church. Basically, just like Kate Kelly also. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lavina Anderson was told earlier in the year that, quote, her membership was in jeopardy if she continued to collect and publicize incidents of ecclesiastical abuse. (gasps) 
She was called to a disciplinary council for conduct unbecoming a member of the church, and she was excommunicated the day later for collecting incidents of abuse, of ecclesiastical wow. abuse. Like, wow. wouldn't I? What? It just makes me so mad. Like, wouldn't you want that information? Wouldn't you want to help those victims? Yeah, exactly. Like, that would be something that in any other, I don't even want to say organization, I guess I can't, you know, not maybe not all of them, but normal and empathetic ones would be like, wow, well done. Thank you so much. Like, let's address this. Let's help the victims. No, the Mormon church that's supposed to be charitable and loving and Christ-like is like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. So now you're getting excommunicated. Bye. Uh, <laughs> so it's oh. so messed up yeah in November of 1993 Dallin homophobe Oaks is, <laughs> is cited in the Arizona Republic he called the SCMC a quote clipping service that pours over newspapers and other publications and identifies members accused of crimes preaching false doctrine criticizing leadership or other problems that information is forwarded on to the person's bishop or stake president who is charged with helping them overcome problems and stay active in the church. From the article, he also confirms that the SCMC have monitored speeches, writings, and activities of those suspected of apostasy and passed on material to church officials. Like, get well, a life, people. You have... <laughs> Get a fucking life. And the fact that they're, like, using the word crimes, like, members yeah, right. crimes, like, fuck right off. Like, yeah, that... their crime is saying that evolution is real. Fuck <laughs> off, Dallin. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was in 1993. This is still an, a thing. Like, this is still an active committee. So now it's really, I think, focused on, instead of, like, newspapers and stuff, it's focused on, like, Facebook and Twitter and all that. And they have people that full time like scour social media trying to look for crimes that members are committing. You guys, that's wild. This is again a church that's worth over a hundred billion dollars and they're investing money into people, probably not even paying them for being fair. I mean, they're cheap as hell and like probably like, oh, it's a voluntary uh, <laughs> committee. And this is what they're doing with their time. Like, yep. maybe, maybe that's all of the trolls that we get. Maybe they're on this committee. Oh, my God. You know what? You're, you're <laughs> on to something. You're on to something there. <laughs> um, okay. In 1997, January 1997, according to Michael Quinn, this clipping service at LDS headquarters is also interested in publish, published letters to the editor in all Utah's newspapers, including the student publications of BYU and other Utah colleges. Statements considered controversial about LDS policy to national media are also targets for these files. In addition, the committee uses operatives to obtain tape recordings of every Mormon who gives presentations at public forums regarded as suspicious. As a glimpse into the extent of these files, a history professor at Utah State University, Ross Peterson, was informed during a meeting at LDS headquarters in 1990 that his surveillance file included an anti-war statement he made as an undergraduate in college. What? Like, they just keep these things that you've said in a file and and, and watch you to make sure that you're not saying anything. That's so creepy. Sure. Also, it's like the Scientology when they make you confess. Like, what is it called? I forgot the exact word. Clearing or cleansing or... Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is it where you have to, like, confess? 
what you've been doing or your deepest, darkest thing yeah. Yeah. on a tape. Like they record you and they have this like file on you and then basically use it to threaten you, which is exactly what yep. the Mormon church is doing. And it's uh-huh. fascinating whenever people are like, I remember as a Mormon, someone compared Mormonism to Scientology. And I was like, oh my God, that's not even close. Like how ridiculous is that? No, no little woman, Sarah. <laughs> it's not ridiculous. It's very spot on. I know. And how, how funny we've mentioned this before, but back when I was Mormon, I was like, Oh, those Scientologists, they're super weird. That's like, <laughs> and little did I know it was like the same thing as Mormon is like in so many ways, very similar. <laughs> so, Oh man. <laughs> man. Um, in March of 2012, um, the spokesman of the LDS Church, Michael Purdy, lied about his knowledge of the SCMC, of course. And Jeffrey Holland claims yeah. claimed that the primary purpose of the SCMC is to guard against polygamy. What? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? like, yeah, we spy on people just to make sure that they're not doing polygamy. Sir, that is not the case. That is That's not true that- at all. <laughs> you just want that he's. It's just to make the church look good, really. Exactly. So. Like, come on now. Don't don't even. No, no. Try that. So um, so that's like a basic timeline. And it's, you know, obviously still going on. But I I found um, some comments and current examples, like in the comments of that, that Reddit, that, that subreddit, that were people like saying like personal experiences or things that they knew. Uh, had happened. And so I have some of those examples written here. So one person said they monitored me in a private Facebook group. They, (gasps) yeah, they sent a file to the Europe presidency who sent it to my stake president, who sent it to my Bishop, who then told me, be careful what you post on Facebook. Such a joke. Europe has hemorrhaged so many members. So I guess this person lives in Europe and said something in a private Facebook group and they tracked it down and sent it to their bishop. And the bishop was like, you better watch what you post on Facebook. Like that's, I'm not imagine. even surprised at all. That's, imagine like just being in that bishop's meeting and he's like, be careful what you post on Facebook. I'd be like, oh shit. I'm, that's oh freaking God. scary. That's <laughs> terrifying. I'm like honestly thinking about my time as a Mormon in Europe and I'm like, I'm trying to picture if I could see that happening, and I could. I definitely yeah. could. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Someone else said, I had the missionary sent to my college dorm to take me to institute. Thankfully, my roommate didn't let them in the building, and I sent a nasty message to them to never contact me again, or I would get campus security involved. I feel bad about being rude to the missionaries since they are victims too, but my dorm address was given to a very small number of people. So it was easy to narrow down who could have given out my info, which was the SCMC. Creepy. Whoa. <laughs> uh, this you know, I always think about that though, too, that like, you know, somehow you get missionaries. Like I was still getting like phone calls. Remember from like the senior missionary couple that I changed my number. Yeah. In mm-hmm. Berlin, and I still got like text messages and phone calls and like voicemails that were like, "Oh, we haven't met yet, but we're the senior missionaries, and um, we just see that you haven't been to church in a while, and we wanted to know if you wanted to join the choir." And it's like, "What? Well, I don't sing." Anyone who, <laughs> like, what? What a weird way of trying to get me to come back to the church. But also, how did you get my number? Yeah, I know it's creepy. And I, uh, when I I moved to Phoenix, I had. 
the bishop and his like counselor just show up at my apartment at, at like 8 p.m. Like, oh no, no. And it was so creepy. And then a couple days later, the Relief Society president texted me, and the the, the bishop and his uh, counselor when they showed up, they were like, oh, we would have called, but we didn't have your phone number. But then the Relief Society president texted me, so they had my number. They just wanted to show up. And then I was very nice to the Relief Society president. I was like, look, I'm not interested. I don't want to come to church, but like we can be neighborly friends. I'm cool with that. Like we can grab not coffee, but hot chocolate. (laughs) Um, But she kept on like texting me about coming to church. And I eventually had to kind of like be a brat to her. Like, okay, you crossed the boundary. And then I was getting emails all the time too. I don't know how they got my email address. And I had to be like, take me off of this like I how did I get how did I get it all yeah um okay another person said I was just talking to my wife about about various church related things and the topic of the SCMC came up she had totally forgotten it existed I just thought it might be a good idea to remind people that they were out there and that they watched this subreddit so be careful with what personal information you share because anything you say can and will be used against you if they get the chance Especially if you were in a situation where you can't leave for whatever reason, be careful with what you share. Oh. So yeah, even on like Reddit, there. That's spooky. Oh. That gave me the chills. That really like. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Um. So this person says, and granted, this is this is just a comment, so take it with a grain of salt. But this person said, the Strengthening Church Members Committee staffs dozens of people to browse social media, TikTok, Facebook, Reddit, etc to access threats, gather information, and quell information uprisings. Every corporation does it, and the church is a corporation. Literally dozens of people surfing the internet, areas of interest parsed out into assigned areas. Persons of interest are identified and thoroughly thoroughly investigated, along with IP addresses, post history, social contacts, church faithfulness, callings held, everything. Whoa. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) <laughs> but it makes me think of, like, um, also, like, the missionaries that are always in, like, random groups now. Yeah. They're they're all over Facebook. And they're on there, like, on the marketplace giving away Book of Mormons for free. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm kind of like, are they the one, like, is that part of the committee? Like, are they outsourcing the missionaries at this point, too? Probably. Probably. So that's all I have written down, but um, I'm glad you hadn't heard of it and that you didn't know what it was. Cause like, I feel like you and I both have said it before, like the church has files on us and, you know, they have surveillance, but it really is quite intense. The links they go to protect their whoa. image. I'm like creeped yeah. out. That's uh, I know. same. Whoa. <laughs> But also, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of flattered if they, like, uh, have a file on us. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hi. Hey. Hello. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> oh. Well, thanks for wow, going on. Well this. done. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll be back next week. We'll be back. Bye.